if young people don't speak up, then we get the status quo. And it's not tough to vote. And it's not tough to figure out what's going on. Welcome to a special bonus edition of MCV Cast. I'm Aaron Murphy, Executive Director of Montana Conservation Voters, and that was former Montana Governor Brian Schweitzer, who we'll be hearing from in a moment. We just wrapped up our first season of this podcast, and now we're gearing up for season two, coming your way a bit later this month. All 10 episodes from season one are available on our new website, mtvoters.org. Click on the podcast button or type in mtvoters.org slash podcast. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Last week, we had a discussion with Dr. Robin Saha, president of the board of the MCV Education Fund. We spoke about racial justice and equity and how they are closely linked with environmental justice. If you haven't had a chance to hear that episode, please check it out. It's an important conversation because the worldwide call for racial justice within the Black Lives Matter movement is very close to our work here at MCV. We spoke with Governor Schweitzer back on April 16th. Our interview for Episode 3 covered a whole bunch of topics, the Black Butte Copper Mine near the Smith River, the concerning science behind that mine, and the governor's fascinating book called Power Up Energy. But we did not have time to air the whole interview, so this bonus episode features the rest of our chat with Brian Schweitzer, who served as Montana governor from 2005 through 2012. The governor shared some interesting perspectives on the Keystone XL pipeline, but let's jump in at my question about Montana's political landscape, new candidates, and younger citizens who may not be inspired to vote. Question for you. Do you have any advice for, one, candidates who are running for office for the first time, and two, younger voters who might think that their vote doesn't matter? For those of you who are running for office for the first time, um, any advice that you've been given, um, and this may offend some people, uh, that you've been given by somebody that lives somewhere between McDonald Pass and Townsend, which means Helena, um, take it with a grain of salt. For you to win the statewide election, you have got to get out there. You've got to listen to people in Lewistown and Haver. You've got to get to Billings and Missoula and Kalispell and Whitefish. Um, and they don't actually talk like they talk in Helena. In Helena, they've got a whole different language. I mean, there's so many people there that are elected officials and, and there, there are the people that run state government and they all have acronyms and they all explain things in very complicated ways that it's pretty dang tough for somebody who's running a business on Main Street, Lewistown to figure out what they're talking about. So to start with, go out and learn things from folks across Montana and continue to, to talk and listen the way you do across Montana, not necessarily how they do business in Helena. Uh, and then I would say to uh, young people, uh, you are not going to be taken serious. You know how, how it sucks when you've got a great idea and uh, your parents or your uncle or your older brother or sister just look at you like you're kind of a dumbass? Well, <laughs> um, if you don't vote and if politicians know you're not going to vote, they're not going to listen to you. You don't have an idea that matters because they know the demographics. They know if you're 20 years old, you're eligible to vote and you probably got about a 30% chance of voting. And they also know that somebody that's 55 years old is going to vote. And so if you know that people that are 55 years old are three times as likely to vote as somebody who's 20 years old, then that means the politicians listen to people who are 55. And if you're 20 years old, you're probably not going to have a voice that really matters. Unfortunately, that's the way politics work. If 
If young people would vote in this country, if young people would vote, if young people got involved, then then we'd have people who are saying, no, we, we need to protect we need to protect our air and water for the next 200 years, not for the next 20. We need to protect public lands so that, that we continue to access them for the rest of our lives. We have to have an education system that we can afford. We, 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 can, we can no longer put ourselves in a position where when we graduate from college that we owe more money than we'll ever be able to pay back during our lifetime. How does that make any sense? Well, it, it makes perfect sense if you're 55 years old, always have, already have your college degree and got a job because of it but, uh, and paid for your education already. But you're 20 years old and you got to make some decisions and you're going, how can I afford to borrow $50,000 a year to get a college education and have $200,000 invested in this thing? And, and then I've got to pay interest back at five or six or seven percent, whatever it happens to be for the rest of my life and try to make a living as a teacher. It, the math doesn't work. You don't need a two dollar calculator to know that that doesn't work. And if you don't speak up, if young people don't speak up. Then we get the status quo. And it's not tough to vote and it's not tough to figure out what's going on. Uh, you know, you you have a lot of conversations with a lot of friends. Ah, you talk about music and, and you, you talk about social things. But let's talk about some things that matter for the future. And you can make a change right now, this year. Vote. Then you'll be taken serious. Governor, in your book, you you dissect the various arguments for and against Keystone XL pipeline and some fascinating stuff in there, such as arguing that tar sands oil is dirty, which presumes that somewhere out there there's clean oil. Uh, fascinating stuff. I would recommend folks read it. Um, but we are tracking right now the fact that construction is underway in northeastern Montana as we speak with folks moving into these communities that are medically underserved to begin with. So curious for your thoughts on the timing of this move right now and what we should be doing as a conservation organization to approach it. Well, the reason it's happening right now is because the Trump administration uh, has decided that they want to get this pipeline built and they see it as a big political win. In the South, uh, he wants to build a wall. Apparently, uh, the wall is going to be so high that the ladders don't climb over the top of it or the tunnels can't go underneath it or, um, you know, what is it, 75 percent of uh, illegal uh, immigrants and uh, people who are bringing drugs into this country actually fly here. <laughs> so but I guess, he, you know, he, he's been talking about uh, his uh, his border wall. Uh, well, this pipeline has been controversial for some time. And as I talk about it in my book, of course, you know, I've never been a shill for uh, big oil and and uh, the, the carbon-based industry. Um, I've um, always questioned motives uh, in that regard. But I do know that during the next 30 or 40 years, we will be weaning ourselves off of uh, carbon-based uh, energy sources. In the meantime, um, we're going to need energy. Now, the question is, is are we going to import that uh, oil from Venezuela or Saudi Arabia, Iraq? Or are we going to produce it in North America, in particular, either in, in America or in Canada, our neighbors and friends from the north? And the Keystone Pipeline, um, it would add to a pipeline portfolio. People who are against the Keystone Pipeline, they make pretty good sense. They say, why are we building a new pipeline if, in fact, we're going to be uh, energy independent uh, and we're going to be carbon neutral? We should be using less oil. I couldn't uh, agree more. 
So you would prefer to continue to rely on 160,000 miles of pipelines that have been built over the last 40 years with much, much less regulation um, and, and metering devices, uh, not nearly as safe as anything that's newly built. You would prefer to do that as opposed to building uh, another pipeline that would be the most sophisticated pipeline uh, ever built? Or I guess what you're saying is that uh, you believe that it's safer to move oil on railroads because if you don't have pipeline capacity, you move it on the railroad. Well, that, that would be a folly uh, because at least pipelines, they are built in areas that go around big cities. But these railroads have been built for 100 years and more, and they're built to go through big cities. And so when you don't have pipeline capacity, you put it on the rail or you put it on pipelines that are 30, 40, 50 years old. So new pipelines will be built. We build new trucks, too. Are you against buying a new truck because you say, well, we're going to be out of the truck business? Any gasoline car? I'm not driving a gasoline car because I'm going to drive an electric car. Okay, so how are we selling all these gasoline cars, including many of the you that are listening? You could buy an electric car. I bought an electric car. Well, there's, you know, it costs a little more and it maybe doesn't have the mobility that you're getting. So uh, the Keystone Pipeline is just another pipeline. They're not so special about it. Uh, these arguments that have been made both by the conservatives uh, and by conservationists have gotten lunacy uh, involved. In, in, you know, uh, why just this one pipeline? Are you also against all the other pipelines that are getting built in America? How come you're just talking about this one? And for the conservatives, why, why is this one so important? We got 160,000 miles moving pipelines around. How come, how come you just talk about this one? So the same, both, both sides have used the Keystone Pipeline as a massive way of raising campaign funds and funds for both conservative and, 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 and conservation causes. And some of the things that get said on both sides just simply don't make any sense. Let's get back to construction. I don't care whether you were building a highway, uh, a railroad, a pipeline. How does it make any sense when we're trying to lock this country down to slow the spread of this virus, which makes perfect sense, that you're going to load up people from all over this country, maybe even all over the world, and we're going to say, everybody has to shut down. The bars and restaurants in Montana, down. Retail, retail people on Main Street, down. Shut down. Uh, we don't want people flying on planes coming from hither and dither. We are going to be faced with a very difficult situation this summer in Montana when we have, what, 13 million people visit Montana as tourists. And we're going to have, well, Glacier and Yellowstone Park closed right now. Uh, we're going to probably decrease our tourist traffic by as much as 50%. It's going to hurt every business in Montana. We're all paying our part. We're, we're, we're all involved in this. I've got business that's, uh, that's set aside, not, not taking an income right now. We're doing our part. And the Keystone Pipeline, how, is it, how does it make any sense to bring people from all over the country, maybe all over the world, and bring them in without testing them, and bring them to the very counties in Montana where we haven't even had a case yet? And when we do get a case in eastern Montana... Um, it's not uh, it's not getting in an ambulance and going to the hospital 18 minutes away. No, no, howdy. Uh, you know, those of us who to live in rural Montana, it's 
it's it's quite a hike to go see a doctor. Uh, I, I think it makes no sense. And whether it's the Keystone Pipeline or any other big construction project right now, um, I, I, there is there's some uh, additional politics at work. It's the Trump administration uh, who wants to have a victory for his political base that 40% that are going to be with him no matter what, who believe that uh, um, uh, climate change is a hoax, as he always describes it. Um, and they uh, they just soon uh, use oil till the end of time, and uh, they think that a windmill causes cancer and uh, a solar panel is stupid. And so you have a, you have a president who sees this as an opportunity uh, to get this pipeline built fast before anybody asks any more questions. Governor Brian Schweitzer, two-term governor of Montana and author of Power Up, How the Coming Revolution Will Empower You, Free Us from All Oil Wars, and Make You a Buck or Two. You can find it on Amazon. Governor, really appreciate your time with us. Thank you. Our thanks to Governor Brian Schweitzer for being part of MCV Cast. We recorded that interview on April 16th. We should also note that the views of our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of Montana Conservation Voters, its staff, or its board of directors. Again, this is a bonus episode of MCV Cast. You can find all our episodes from Season 1 on our website, mtvoters.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back with Season 2 in a matter of days with new guests, headlines, and perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. In the meantime, please consider visiting our contribution page, mtvoters.org slash donate. Your financial support makes this show and our work across Montana possible. Thank you. Thank you.